0: You're listening to The Doer's Podcast right here on The Doer's Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II.
1: Welcome to The Doer's Network. I'm your host, Donald Robinson II, and in this podcast episode, we're continuing our conversation with Danielle North, founder and creator of Kids Kingdom Detroit. Kids Kingdom Detroit is an inside play facility for children, the only one of its kind right here in the city of Detroit. Danielle is a wife, mother, entrepreneur, government official, education official, and all-around Renaissance woman. In part one, we talked a lot about her background and her story, and in this episode, you'll hear more of her story about how she started Kids' Kingdom and what she looks for in the future. So take a listen to part two of our conversation with Danielle North. Now let's go into Kids' Kingdom. How did you start building and how did you create Kids Kingdom Detroit? And then how did it build?
0: So I, I really um, built Kids Kingdom out of what should have been failure at a time in, in my life and my career. I had gone on this journey of really finding what I thought was going to be my dream job. Meanwhile, I had created my own um LLC consultancy, um, ed reform partners, which is a K through 12 consulting company. And I was working at DPS and I really wasn't feeling fulfilled. I was doing great work. I was an executive contract employee with DPS with a wonderful salary and amazing benefits, uh, with a great boss, um, doing some great work. But for me, everything is about mission and everything is about passion and also on the starter. Yeah. And because we were going through these different changes with the EMs constantly in and out, I worked under three different emergency managers while I was there for 4 years. Yeah. 4 years. Three or was it four who uh so we had um Robert Bob, right. Jack Martin, Darnell Early. So yeah. three yeah. while I was there. I wasn't there for Bob's administration. I came right after that when um when Roy Roberts, Roy okay. Roberts um when Roy Roberts started so um, at, at any rate you know with that comes you know, it's a new administration so now we're doing this or now we're with charters now we're not with charters and now we're going to do this and try that and I was growing fatigued with that yeah and I, I, hit a, I hit a place where I was done where I was just in this this large convening And I had made um, because I I was I was at cabinet meetings sometimes because of my position. I uh, had to sit with, you know, all the top level staff within the district. And mind you, I'm a very young person in this position with folks who've been there for 30 years, folks who, you know, have spent their whole career. It took them a long time to get there. And I respect, appreciate that. That just wasn't my trajectory. So if I'm here at the table, I'm not going to be silent because it didn't take me 30 years to get there, right? you know? And so, and, and, and I'm saying, you know, well, Hey, you know, if we're trying to look at best practices, let's try and do this or that. And it was like, nobody really actually wanted to fix things. Right. And, and this is not, I, you know, I, I really pray and hope that with this new administration, they're making, making strides, but this is my story. And, and that is, and this is not to speak down on anyone, but that's what I was encountering. And I said, why am I coming to work every day? It's not even about the money. Yeah. Why am I coming to work every day And we're not going to make change and we can't talk about the change? It's right. like the room got quiet. Like, oh, man, tell me you really want to fix something. <laughs>
1: right, right. they looking at you like, are you serious? You're really serious, aren't you? <laughs> like crazy. And
0: I got kind of, you know, the EM at the time just kind of cut me off. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, well, we'll just, you know, sounds like everything's going good, so we'll just... And, you know, that was it. Yeah. That was it. That was enough. And it, it wasn't like it was a soft spot kind of thing. Like, oh, I can't be, uh, you know, no one can respond to me in a certain kind of way. Literally, there was build up. I mean, just a series of things that occurred. And I gave my three weeks notice. I had already, like I that July, started my business, but have been having discovery meetings with folks, talking to them. Okay. So I stepped out to do my K through 12 consulting work. And as I was, I got my first contract about a couple of weeks after I quit. Cause I, I didn't have, I didn't have work, anything. I had money saved. My husband and I had talked about it. I switched over to his benefits, everything. So it wasn't just crazy, right? So anybody out there listening that wants to quit their job and start their own business, have your ducks in a row. I did not just quit and jump out there with no money, no nothing. Right. Have money saved. Had my benefits and stuff together, so it was like I put the three weeks in, but there have been months of work and progress towards that. So I, I want to be upfront and real about that.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, for people trying to just jump out there, right? And so while I was doing that, I also had got an opportunity to to work in something that I really thought uh, was going to be my dream job. That I will not name them because I do not want to, again, um, you know, cast them down. Um, but the experience was um, a learning experience, a damaging experience, yep. eye-opening experience about how people will try and actually take you down, <laughs> and you don't and you don't know it. And so it was really kind of a trial uh, process. I was brought in, um, you know, part time initially to try and do some work, and 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 what I found was that there was an individual that wanted that role all along.
2: Wow.
0: And sure that that they would have it and um and that I wouldn't and that's fine because I had to go through that process in order to realize what my real dream was, right. which was to create Kids Kingdom. So when that happened, I had already had my my K through 12 consulting thing, so I was doing that plus this other thing that I thought was my dream job. And I said, "You know what? I, I I don't need this, you know. Once I figured out ninety days in uh, that, hey, this, you know, something's not right. It took again me being gullible, trusting. Took ninety full days for me to realize, okay, this is this is not in it. So it came to a, a decision point of, are we going to go forward, make you full time, or are we going to keep you doing this part time thing? And I wasn't going to keep being a part time guinea pig, right. and so it was best for us to part ways. And in that, there was some devastation that occurred because it was like, I'm finally going to be an executive director of a nonprofit. I'm finally going to do, you know, all of this work, everything that I've been doing, everything has come around full circle. And now here I am. And in that, I said, you know what, I am a full-time entrepreneur. I am making great money with my contracts. In fact, a substantial amount of money that was going to be coming at the end of one of my contracts, where I said, when I complete this contract, most people, if they're consulting, they say, we're going to set it aside in case that happens. And, you know, I don't get any job for a while. And what I said was, I'm going to invest that into a business. And so I said, what business am I going to create? Meanwhile, at the same time, taking my son We were somewhere downtown for an event, and I had promised him that I would take him somewhere indoor to play, indoors to play. Mom, you promised me. You said you were going to take me somewhere. Okay, I am. So I'm all the way downtown, and I'm like, well, let me Google and see if there's something closer than Livonia. Right. Like maybe I'm tripping. Maybe there's something in Detroit, and I've just somehow missed it. Right. Of course, I'm searching, and there are absolutely no indoor playgrounds in the city of Detroit whatsoever. So I had to go all the way from downtown to Livonia for my son to go to bounce it up and bounce around. And I said, that just doesn't make sense that there is nowhere inside of the city that I can take my kid right now to go and play. Right. And so all of this is happening simultaneously. So I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up an indoor playground here. And that was January of 2016. I January 2016 was the same time I parted ways with that organization. Mm-hmm. January 2016 was the same time that I ended up completing that contract and getting my money. And January 2016, I wrote the business plan. February or March, I signed my lease. And May of 2016, the first indoor playground in the city of Detroit opened up.
1: That's wonderful, wonderful. <laughs>
0: Because when I got my mind fixed on something, and the ideas are rolling, and I know that it's right, you gotta move because there's a thing about timing, yep, and a thing about being again in the right. All these things that have happened for me, and it was just all coming together, right. And boom, that that was it, and and we've been rolling ever since, struggling many times sure. to. Uh, open even still now, uh, constantly reinventing ourselves. We went from only being an indoor playground to as of October of last year, being a licensed child care center as well. Okay. So we're a licensed child care center during the week. We do open play and parties on the weekend. And I have a youth entrepreneurship summer camp that I wrote the curriculum for. And that is my nonprofit biz kids. It's under my nonprofit, um, Kids Kingdom Edurek, but this okay. kids is the actual programming. Okay, um, which is a youth entrepreneurship summer program. So we have several layers to the things that we offer there. We're we're keeping hope alive, trying to stay open, but it's very very difficult.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's the trials and tribulations of being a full time entrepreneur, but the reward. I guess the, the the thing that people need to understand there's a correlation in the risk reward factor. It's like the greater the risk, the greater the reward. But the problem is a lot of people want the big reward with almost little to no risk. And it doesn't work like that. Um, but I commend you for doing it because to be the first and look like t- so far, the only kids environment, playtime environment in the city of Detroit is a big, big, big step. And it's a big revolutionary move. And thank you That's for doing it. Thank you for even doing it. You know, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So, so in terms of Kids Kingdom Detroit, what, what all you mentioned about being a, also having a daycare center incorporated, what else, what else do you all provide? What kind of services do you provide with the business?
0: Uh, so we service ages one to twelve with our licensed childcare center. So we have an early childhood program that is for kids who obviously have not matriculated into kindergarten yet or school age. Um, you know, elementary school yet. So that's our early childhood program. Then we have um, emergency drop-in, emergency care. So if you are between the ages of five and 12 and you're already enrolled in school and your school gets closed down or you're out for winter break or you're out for spring break, you can call us, see if we have spaces available and you can drop in. Okay. And then we have the summer program that we provide that is our youth entrepreneurship summer camp. So we've had, uh, we've had summer camp every year since we've opened since 2016. Okay. So uh, we've had three days of summer camp actually, but last year was the first year that it was an actual youth entrepreneurship summer camp with my biz kids program, which is an eight to 10 week curriculum that brings in um, experts Um, we brought in, uh, entrepreneurs who came in and spoke to our children. I took kids out to see businesses within the community. We actually did a, um, small business walk through the neighborhood and stopped at about 10 businesses and ended up supporting one of those businesses by purchasing books, um, at our local, uh, bookshop pages, bookshop. Yes. And um, we also uh, actually each child was able to create their own logo for their business. Um, Bradley creative group, which is um, Mark Askin, who actually runs my website um, came in, created individual logos for every child based on their business. They were able to talk about their business idea and we um, we do a lemonade sale. This is the second year of that. And the, the lemonade sale is kind of like the capstone project where they actually get to work together on being an entrepreneur and make their product, sell it. And then they get the proceeds from that. And so, and they made the marketing signs, visited businesses and talked to people about their upcoming event. So really just showing them all the elements and what it takes to run a business. There's a in-depth study on what it took to open kids kingdom. And I mean, the children were just, Enriched. I yeah. mean, and, and it would be a blessing if I could really get some funding sure. to make this what it really can be um, so that we can continue to make an impact. But at the end of the day, if that doesn't happen, I know that the success has been that I've provided no less than three jobs at a time. While I've been open, I've, I've consistently kept at least three employees employed. Um, I've consistently been an asset to the community. I've consistently been a, a, a placeholder for people to say, you know what? There, this is there's a black young woman that is the owner of this place. Yeah. Um, and I have not seen a return on my investment, much less, you know, anything else. I'm many times still putting back into the business. Sure. And I'm growing weary with that. But what I can say again is that the success, the risk reward, like you said the reward has been in these other things we've been able to accomplish. The kids have been impacted a safe place in the community. We do events. We have, um, uh, indoor, uh, like, uh, Halloween events where we've got the candy. You don't have to go outside. We've got the characters, the candy, the games,
2: wow. the
0: food, um, everything. So the community can have a safe place to go. Um, and so all of those things, when I look back, it's not a failure. If we close, it's, been a great ride um and and i see the 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 reward in that um but at, at this point i'm i'm i am at a uh i would say a wall in terms of how much more risk i can endure
1: sure 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 but the beauty of it all and the blessing of it is that you were able to like a stair step as you go through that's things right. you, you learn from them and then you grow and get better because of you learning from them and that's the that's, that's right. the that's the miracle of it all and i Again, I can't commend you enough, Danielle, for you what you and your husband are doing and pushing out there and making it happen because a lot of people wouldn't even take the step you've already taken. They wouldn't even take the first step you know, because they're scared of the risk. But for you That's all to right. be able to do that and be successful in it, it makes a big difference. It really does.
0: That's right. And you make a good point. Like I said, I could have never left my job without having that conversation with my husband and saying, hey, can we do this? Because it's still been a partnership along the way. I still... Yep. Um, I, I'm doing well with my consulting and my K through 12 work, but we, you know, have made the decision to, you know, keep our benefits there. Cause my husband, he's a, he's a rock. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep working at my job and doing my thing. This is good. He's stable there. Right. And it gives me a, an opportunity to kind of play with my ideas and, uh, you know, have a, a little bit of chance of, again, the risk reward kind of thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, because it's, it's a risk. It is. Oh, I know. And 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 you know, the money you gotta keep putting back in to have a dream. And um, you know, it's interesting. I was I was looking up uh Jeff Bezos. You know there's a lot going on around him right now. I'm yep. probably not pronouncing his name right. Yep. And it's like people don't talk about the fact that he borrowed three hundred million dollars from his parents in the first place to start that business. Right. To start Amazon, right? You know what I'm saying? It's not you know all you hear about is how he drove across country writing his business plan because he had an idea and he and he went to put it into play. And it's like, but they gave him three hundred million dollars to start. Bill,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Comfortable with doing that, yeah. I am one individual, and I'm gonna say this on here because I think you know we don't we don't talk about money the way we should, but I, I'm just a person. I'm not independently wealthy. I don't have a, a rich parent or something like that. I don't have a trust. Let's make all of that clear. Right. So when you talk about an individual that has used between 50 and 60,000 in liquid cash of their own money that I've just made choices of initially starting the business and then continue. And then on top of that loans that I've had to take out since we've been open. Yeah that is a big deal.
2: Yeah, it is. This is
0: not this is not me saying, "Mom, can I get $70,000 so I can start this dad, can I get and trust me, their support is in- invaluable and my father did give me some money uh when I started. Yeah. Um he did loan me some money when I started that I was able to pay him back. Um but not $300 million. Right. And so being an entrepreneur, being a a young black woman that had really started seeing some good money in my career, and then to say, I'm going to take that and invest that. I'm going to go into my 401k, my savings, my future, my life, and use some of that so I can do something. This is a major. So when I walk away from this, if that's what I have to ultimately do that money is gone. I don't get that money back. Right. This this money isn't sitting off somewhere in a coffer. This isn't money where I can be like, oh, you know. I, and even in reading on him, you know, he told the initial investors, you might not make your money back at all. Right. Right. <laughs> like, so this is the real deal of a real everyday person trying to put their idea into practice. It's right. not free. I don't. I don't have Motor City Match or. Uh, you know any of these things? I have a Kiva loan which I'm almost done paying. Praise oh, God. Right. Um, and I have um I have a Prosper us loan, and I have a line of credit with uh, uh the private bank, which is now CIBC.
2: Okay. But
0: you know, you know, this is not a this is it's not a cakewalk. No. This is not just something out here where oh she made this nice place for kids to play is hard.
1: Yeah. I know it's hard. I know it is. And in, in, in fact, since you said that, one question I want to ask you is what are some of the valuable life lessons you learned in in doing the whole with your business and your career?
0: That whatever idea you have, whatever you thinking you want to do, be prepared to know you're going to have to diversify when you do that thing. So my original business plan was kind of like, "Oh, you know, we're going to be an indoor playground and most of our money is going to come from open play and parties and we'll have some special events because that's cute. We'll have special events and we'll do uh, what else did I say? We'll do parent events, community events. Right. This will be it'll be like a, a very small amount, like five percent of of the revenue that we need to achieve. And then as it turns out, I needed to have way more special events than that. I needed to have summer camp. I needed to have a child care center, all of these things to diversify this. Right. Um, In order to get it to where it's going to work. So that's a major life lesson. So don't go into this thing, you know, now that I, I, um, I'm, I'm, I've been a facilitator for Bill Institute for a while. And so I. I teach um, entrepreneurship courses and they're held at Kids Kingdom and I give them the rundown. I tell them like, look, this is the real. Yeah. Right. And so that's a big one. So if you when I'm mentoring someone that wants to open a coffee shop and they're just like, well, we'll have coffee and we'll have this and that's going to be our revenue. No, it's not. Right. I can just tell you right now, it's not. You don't have to have events. You're going to have to Bring in businesses, you don't have to sell cupcakes and this and that because it's just not cut and dry like that, like we would like to think. Right. Unless you just come, you just end up having some kind of model that just really ends up sustaining itself off of two streams. Sure. But you got to diversify, you got to diversify and you got to be uh, flexible. You can't be caught up in, oh, well, this is not what it was supposed to be because right. I got stuck a little bit. People right. were asking for the child care. I knew people weren't enough people were coming in during the week and I was a little stuck with making that shift because I'm like, man, I want it to be different. You can always be a daycare, but being an indoor playground was something different. Right. And I just had to let that go. Yeah. And so, you know, you gotta let go a little bit, be prepared to bend. Um uh another life lesson. Um Everybody's not, no matter how noble or how great, whatever it is that you're doing, everybody's not going to be happy for you and support you. Right. So you have to have the one or two, you know, whatever you have the luxury of having of of strong supporters and people that believe in you and just rock with them.
2: Yeah. Because
0: yeah. everybody's not going to be in your corner and you can't spend your time trying to convince everybody about your idea that you were given.
1: Right.
2: Right. Get you a
0: couple of people that believe, and just and just keep on going. Yeah. Um. Determine what your indicators of success are. Okay. Because people, I'm in magazines, I'm in articles, I've been on the news, I've been in the free press, and and people say, "Oh, you're congratulations, you're so successful. Oh, I'm so proud of you and what you're doing. Oh, you must be making money."
1: Huh. Yeah, wishful thinking, right?
0: Correct. And so for many people, you must be successful. Congratulations. An indicator of success for them is probably that they think you're you're making money or you're out of the weeds. And so for me, some of those things I talked about in the beginning, providing the jobs, um, being an asset to the community, um, being, you know, being a place, a safe place for kids and that sort of thing, being a place for my kids, being an entrepreneur example that my kids see. I you never could have told me that I would work 70 hours a week. When we first opened, I was working 70 hours a week, not a dime of money in sight. Yeah. And there was never a thought in my mind, oh, I need to get wages for this. Right. And so you gotta have your success indicators so that you don't quit immediately. Right. Because if it's about money, if it's about you gotta get a check check that in at the door right away because your success indicators will likely be other things initially until you can get to that place where money is that success indicator or getting out of the red is that success indicator. So those are some of the key, key things. Be ready. You got to work.
1: got to work. Yeah. And the other thing is that people, a lot of people, if you're in it for the money, you're in it for the wrong reason anyway, because the thing, like you said, the assets, what the the being being valuable to the community and helping mm-hmm. something helping your own children and things like that le- which is really part of what we call the legacy building aspect of it and that's what's most important uh, the money that's will for- follow and then, like the old saying goes do what you love doing the money will follow so for all you out there listening that's th- uh that if you're thinking about starting a business these are some of the big growing pains we're talking about here and please take heed to them because they're real they are real real um, and then, and then also the other thing too, is that's why they say the money will follow because it's not always going to be, you may get very, very lucky. You may be that point zero 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 one percent who starts getting success financially right away. But in most cases, uh-huh. it's going to be some work and time before the money comes through, you know? And then also, and I've talked about this in a few other episodes with other guests is that a lot of times with people, when they take the plunge into entrepreneurship, sometimes we all have ideas, you know, and nobody has a crystal ball as to what people are going to take and what's going to be successful. But a lot of times people don't want to take the work in and the sacrifice because they'll quit after maybe a year or two and be right before that breakthrough happens, they'll quit. But if they stuck it, if they would have stuck it out, they probably would have achieved that success and even more. So also for some people out there listening also, If this is something you really believe in, you got to stick it out. You got to go through the growing pains. You got to go through the sacrifices and stick it out because, on the other side, that's when your success happens. It doesn't happen right away.
2: Mm
0: hmm. It's so true. It is. It's so true. And you know, at the same time with what you're saying, you also have to figure out what that breaking point is, though, right? Right. Because some of us keep going and oh, we're almost there. We're almost there and there's really no end in sight
2: right. to it. Right.
0: And so you do have to reevaluate, reassess, can can I get this profitable or not? And, you know, make some difficult decisions because if you're emotionally tied to it, which I am to my business. Sure. I know any ultimate decision, if I have to, to pull the plug, will it, it will be very difficult. Right. But again, when you're looking at the finances, I've been blessed and fortunate that I've had either contracts or good work outside of this, or also you have to understand, we sold our home at uh, at at one point so that we can have extra resources and money with me being an entrepreneur in terms of that's how I got my income and plus an entrepreneur where a business where at any given time you might need three or four thousand dollars to make up the difference for that month for your business. Yeah. Where is it gonna come from? Right. You have to have an unbelievable amount of liquid available, right? But at this point, though, the issue is that I'm tired of still putting that liquid in, yeah. And so you have to make a decision of, hey, is this ever gonna get there? Do I have the wherewithal to keep putting back in, or do I need to pull the plug?
1: Right, right. And sometimes that can be a very, very, very hard decision to make because you're attached to yes. your business. Your business is your baby. Yes. Your business so is you your can baby.
0: keep on the success is right around the corner. If I hang in there one more year, it's been almost three years, and they tell you it takes five years, and I said from the beginning, I don't have the luxury of five years. That's I right. knew I didn't have that luxury. I don't have investors and people that I can, or that I would even want to go out to because I've been building this for three years from the ground up with my own money and my blood, sweat, and tears. Why would I bring an investor in? Right that's going to say they're going to get a piece of what I've been killing myself for, for three years. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't make sense. So people have to be smart about that too. That's the big thing. Venture capitalism, having somebody invest in your business. You better make sure when you decide to do something like that, you're prepared that, okay, you're not going to make any money. Right. Initially. Right. And then when you do start making money, you got to pay people back yep. to invest into it. Yep. You got to think about that. That sounds good. Oh, they'll, you know, an angel investor. But
1: <laughs> well, they got to pay get paid first before you do.
0: They got to get paid. And then, and then not only do I have to get paid first, they're going to be, well, you know, let me not talk about what I know don't know about, but depending on your agreement, they're going to be getting a percentage forever.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the, see, the thing about the venture capital piece, it's just like you said with having somebody in your corner. You got to have somebody in your corner there. Now I know a few venture capitalist people who are great, and they're. Right. In fact, we had a gentleman recently, and for you listening, listen to our podcast episode of Jason Mendelson. Jason Mendelson is is a, a venture capitalist who's from here, and he has uh-huh. his office in Boulder, Colorado. But what thing he talked about, he said, hey. We, he said, we don't go into a business and say, okay, we're going to give you money. We'll sit back. We get our hands dirty with you. We help you. We oh, see areas. And with... a yeah. Model. Yeah. That's totally, yeah. That's a totally different innovative model. And it helps because to have somebody who's like a, it's re- it's better to have somebody like that. Who's a partner more, more, more so for and you. And
0: got some skin in the game. Yes. And not just back saying, Hey, I'm going to give you this money. And you let me, you work it. Yes. You work it. You, you know, in, in my case, you know, I've had to do everything from clean pee up off the floor because little kids yeah. have
2: access. yeah, yep.
0: I've had to mop as recent as twice in the past uh, 35 days.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> have to mop up when the toilets get stopped up. Yeah. Throw on the gloves, get the bleach. So, you know, it's not pretty. People right. look at all of the see me in these articles and stuff like that. And all of that is great, right? I don't want to diminish that. I'm so grateful. But in that article, I'm, I'm not cleaning toilets. Right. And that's the real part of it. If I go, go in there, I'm going to clean the toilets because the toilets need to be clean because that's as important as my face being on a magazine or somebody right. coming in the bathroom and see a dirty bathroom.
1: In fact, that's more important because anybody can, you know, a, mag, a magazine article is yeah. great, you know, yeah. a glitz and glamour part. But the real right. somebody comes, a real customer comes in and see a dirty bathroom. That's could be that could kill your business.
0: And so to me, that's important. And I got to use that toilet and my kids got to use that toilet and somebody else's kids. And so we pride ourselves on being clean. We might not be the biggest playground. We might not have everything jungle, Java and bounce it up or whoever these other people are. But what we have is a clean space. We're going to offer you top of the line customer service. We're going to, you got a direct person to talk to. So when you're at Chuck E. Cheese or whatever, you're talking to a manager that's not vested in this. Right. This is my name. Right. So when you call me and you're talking to me, I'm giving you all of myself. I'm putting forth my best. Right. Because this place upholds my name.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: You know, which means you got to deal with some, you know, that 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 whole the customer is always right thing. wee, yeah. Get ready, yeah. <laughs> you dealing with customers because one bad review can ruin your whole business, and these people could be lying, or they could have, they could owe you money, anything. But guess what? You got to try and make sure you you're putting forth your best foot.
2: Yep. Yep. To
0: make sure they don't do that bad review, and right. sometimes it still happens. But it takes a whole lot of humility to run a business, too.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. Um. So in that in that vein, too, where do you see entrepreneurship in Detroit going in, say, the next five ten years?
0: You know, I'll go back to my original uh, uh comment regarding the excitement and how people are saying they're drawn to here and they're doing things here. I think that um, I think that the excitement and the um, the momentum is going to keep going, and I think people are either going to um, people like me who who might not have wealth and come from a lot are going to keep um, taking a chance with their ideas because they feel like the ground is is ready and and um, and ripe for them to to bring some of these ideas and. And if they do get some of these uh, grants and, you know, hatch and match and and all of these different things where they see that that would be supportive for them to launch their idea, I think that's going to keep happening. And you're also still going to have these young people that have the the family member that can loan them 50,000, 100,000, yeah. 100 billion or whatever. And they're going to come and they're excited and they're just going to, you know, plant themselves downtown and just, Go with their tech idea and, and all of that. I, I see two worlds of it um, yep. and, and and I see people like me who, well, first of all, didn't have the desire nor the luxury to go downtown, uh, but who are going to continue to invest in their neighborhoods and try and make their neighborhoods better places and sure. bring their businesses there and, and and try and make their the um, neighborhood businesses grow because that's really what we need it.
1: Yeah. And, and I
0: see a lot of that investment going there, but that's where we need it. And people like me are the ones who are going to keep doing that and taking those chances.
1: Yeah. Because the thing about it is that it, you got to have both because of the, the situation Detroit has been in for the past 60 years. You have so many people leaving and the tax base dwindled down. So the, 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 the idea is there. I, I, you know, you get it the fact that you have to have a vibrant downtown. That's why so, so much, that's why there's so much yep. investment in it, but yep. just as, 96. just as important. You have to have development in the neighborhoods, which I do see that happening, too, like with people like yourself and your husband and other people who are starting businesses on the streets. You know, that's that's very important because it's probably more important because the same people we're talking about, the young people who have the energy, they're moving into those same neighborhoods. They want to see what's going on. They're trying to live in Detroit. They're trying to come back. So for those of who've been here who are doing great things and great, great energy, it's a it's a perfect combination of folks working together. But you have yeah, to have you have to have it. You have to have it. If you don't, the city can go back to where it was. It's a, it's a yeah. nice down. The only difference it'll be a great, shining, beautiful downtown and nothing else around it.
0: And that's right. And so uh, as we continue this, I mean, downtown is going to take care of itself. It has. Yes. It, it has happened. It has. It, it is popping. Yeah. So if we can really start seeing that support and that investment moving into the neighborhoods and to the people who are already doing the work first. You know, don't turn this, don't turn this into the new trend where now, okay, downtown is saturated. Let's start giving people money to do stuff in the neighborhoods. When you got people who had already been opening up businesses in the neighborhood taking a chance. Yeah. Invest in them first.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you know, that's what I believe. I think this is, this entrepreneurship thing is just, I mean, I get chills thinking about it. I, I ride by buildings all the time that I would love to buy yeah. uh, and put more businesses in. Um, I, you know, I, you know, it's just, it's a great feeling. It's like a, it's a vibe. It's, yeah. a, it's a thing, Yeah. you know, um, where I feel empowered and excited by my people and what we're doing. Because again, my model is difficult. Yeah. I understand why no one has opened up in Detroit. It is a very difficult model. But I tell you what, we would not be open without Detroiters, without uh people and families who have come and supported our businesses. We open and yeah. have helped us uh stay open.
2: Right. We
0: we couldn't do it without them. We do get folks from the suburbs to come, um, and do birthday parties there. And we do get people from all walks of life, all races and, and groups of people, but we have been predominantly, um, uh, able to stay open because of the, the residents of Detroit and which are, you know, predominantly African-Americans, black folks who have come in and supported this black business. So many people say black people don't support black people and black, all of this, I, I just don't, I don't believe in that. And I don't know where that sentiment really comes from because that's, that's and like I said, we've people of all races and backgrounds, but I would be remiss not to note that it has been black people that have kept us open.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of that comes from people's perceptions. Of course, black businesses are smaller because we have A, less capital to start. Like you said, you bootstrapped yourself mm-hmm. from the whole beginning. So you that's don't, right. you're not like Jeff, you know, you, you have a hundred million dollars from your parents or your family to give to you. I mean, that's, that's real. Um, that's and weird. most entrepreneurs don't have that, but the thing is there are smaller numbers of us and mm-hmm. it's all relative. It doesn't matter because you still circulating that dollar in the, in the community by being open where you are in the city. You know what I mean?
0: That's right. So we, you know, that, that's how we've been able to do it. And I'm hoping and praying that there, there are other testimonies like that from other business owners who sure. are able to say, "Yeah, it's it's our people keeping us open." Or you know, you know, don't have that fret. Oh, I'm not gonna open up anything in in neighborhood because like, people don't this and that. No, you gotta, you know, come off of that. That was never anything in my mind. Right. I, if anything I was saying, I'm doing this because they're happy to be out in the suburbs, knowing that we're bringing our money to them. Yeah. You got people traveling thirty. 40 minutes to get to uh play spaces. Yep. And my customers come in and say, Oh, I live right here in Rosedale. I live right here in Brightmoor. I live right up on Finco. I live up Grand river. Thank you. Because this is here in the city. I don't have to travel to the suburbs. Yeah. To have my kid party. Yeah. And so that that's what I'm hearing. That's what the majority of my customers come in and say.
1: Sure. Well, the, it, the, the other thing is this too. Um, back way before we both were born when Detroit was vibrant, when when there were like over two million people living here, that's uh-huh. exactly what it was. They were there were businesses everywhere and the people either lived near the business or they lived on top of the business. In a store for they they the business was on the first floor, they living on the second and third floors. So that's it's always been like that. And I think because of the new generations who haven't been exposed to that, that is coming back to that, and that's what's most um, important key. That's the most key. It is. Yeah,
0: it is. And we got you know you can't like I said. I never want. I'm I for my people. I made it for people who didn't want to have to travel like myself. Right. So there was never a thought of, oh, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I can't open this because I would open it in the suburbs. Then it would be. It wouldn't be right. any question. Never opened it in Detroit if I thought Black people weren't going to come there and support me.
1: Right, <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, you could have been... You could open it up in Oak Park, Southfield, Livonia, wherever. I mean, you know what I'm saying?
0: Hey, listen, and probably wouldn't be having a problem. Right, <laughs> right. you probably be
1: flush with cash by now, right, exactly.
0: That's right, that's right, so...
1: And then, and then turning the conversation back to downtown, how did you all come across Bamboo, Detroit?
0: Yeah, so, um... Interestingly enough, uh, you talked about that brush, um, um, uh, location. Yeah. I had a- initially gone there cause I heard about it, um, I had just wanted to test out co-working spaces, Um, but Amanda is a partner in one of my other ventures. I am the co-founder and the managing director of the Detroit Women's Leadership Network. We are a group of women of um, all races, ages, and career phases who uh, we we come together and support, mentor, and uplift one another through our online uh, Facebook platform. Uh, Last year, we launched a membership platform, which included some partnership benefits. And so um, Amanda and I have gotten close over the years just with our connection with my Women's Leadership Network because she's very active. But just this past year, we actually um, set up a partnership for our members where if you become a Women's Leadership Network member, you get some benefits and perks with Bamboo. Uh, We actually um, uh, host events there. We held our first annual summit, um, uh, for the Women's Leadership Network at Bamboo this past October. Okay. Um, and so Amanda and I worked together on that. She was um, one of the speakers and panelists, so was I. And so it's just really wonderful to have this camaraderie and connection uh, within the community of of trying to support women, support entrepreneurs. Um, so I, I really try and keep my circles um, um, tight, but you know, in various sectors. And so that's how uh, that's how we work together.
1: Okay, well, I'm glad you're part of the family. Uh, Great, great, great family, great networkers. I can't speak enough about it because we're talking what we talked about during the whole interview, the energy they you know, the the bamboo family has really embodied that the the energy that you get when you go to any event. is just incredible. And I think that's why Mm -hmm. they're growing it by leaps and bounds because of that. And their success is becoming more and more known and more prosperous for them because of the fact of the energy you get when you come into, into those doors, you know,
0: that's right. And they're, and they're genuine and they're collaborative and they're not, you know, um, just out here to, you know, make a buck or however, it's like, how, how can we work together? How can I support you and what you're trying to do? And that's been my experience with uh, uh, Amanda. And I just, I appreciate that, that community, Um, And in the ability to to partner and and see how we can be mutually beneficial.
1: Yes. Shout out to Amanda for everything.
0: That's right. Shout out.
1: Well, we're going to wrap it up in a few minutes, folks. But before we go, Danielle, let's get some of the contact information. Let's get the website address and some of your contact information. What's the website?
0: Absolutely. It is www.kidzkingdomdetroit.com. Kids with the Z. Kidzkingdomdetroit.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us with the K-I-D-Z Kingdom Detroit um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's us. And um, our number is 313 296 1741. When you go to our website, you can actually book a party right on our website, you can find out information about all the various models that I discussed our open play, our childcare and our summer camp program everything's um, readily accessible on our website we are located at one eight six zero two finkel detroit michigan four eight two two three we are in the plaza next to dollar general and across from right aid the other cross streets are grand river and southfield freeway if you ride down finkel you will miss us you have to turn into the plaza
1: all right well that is great information folks look it up reach out to danielle reach out to the kids kingdom detroit family and, uh it was just such a great pleasure Danielle to talk to you about everything oh was-
0: man this has been great Donald I, I really appreciate it um it's been a pleasure m- meeting you and, and talking about the amazing work that you're doing um and and actually being asked about my story this way and and it seems recently I've been talking about my story more deeply yeah and I appreciate the opportunity to really look at my trajectory. Um, and, and the blessings and opportunities that I've had along the way. So thank you for doing this.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome. The pleasure is all mine. I'm glad you I'm glad you uh, enjoyed it because it's important to highlight people like yourself. So with that, folks, thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Doer's Network, where activists grow and thrive. Thank you for tuning in to part two of our conversation with Danielle North. If you would like to know more information about Kids Keen of Detroit, or book space, you can go to their website at www.kidzkingdomdetroit.com That's www.kids with a Z, KingdomDetroit.com. Or you can reach them at area code 313-296-1741. That's 313-296-1741. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening.
0: The Doers Podcast, where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at bamboodetroit.com.